believe, part two. Okay? I know that's a very exciting theme, a very exciting topic. Are you recording? It's not. I know that's uh, an exciting, exciting topic. Um, it's probably not a common theme for camps, but I, I think it's really, it's really helpful for us to think about those things. Uh, our time last year was, was very beneficial, so, so I uh, wanted to make sure that I keep my word when you guys ask me that I should do more, so that's, that's this year. We're gonna cover four, okay? We're gonna co- cover four lies, one tonight, and then two tomorrow morning and night, and then, and then the fourth one on Sunday morning. Now, let me clarify what I mean when I say lies young people believe, okay? First of all, I don't want you guys to take that as an insult, okay? I don't want you to get all, up, you know, get, get all offended in, in thinking that, that what I'm saying by that is that your generation, the younger generation, is the only generation that is prone to believing lies. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, even the older generation, even me, myself, we're all prone to believing lies. Okay, so, so when I say lies young people believe, I'm not saying that, that, uh, that, that, that you don't have any discernment. Uh, the reason why I've titled this lies young people believe is because your generation, okay, the, the younger generation today is v- very vulnerable to lies. Okay, you guys are very vulnerable to lies. If you ask me why, I have two answers. Okay, number one, uh, lies are, are, are coming at you from the inside. Okay, your heart manufactures, makes up lies all the time. And sure, you may have the discernment, you may have the ability to filter some of them, but, but you're vulnerable to a lot of them because you yourself have come up with them. Secondly, lies are coming at you from the outside. Okay, if you think about it, uh, not just from your own heart, but from the outside, you have, you have our culture, you have your friends, you have your acquaintances, you have your teachers, you have your future professors, you have, uh, you have social media, you have music, you have shows, you have movies, you have different agendas today. And, and um, if you think that that's a bad list, it, it's actually a really bad list because Satan himself is included in that list and he's manufacturing lies. He's the father of what? Of lies. So you're surrounded with lies. It's coming from your heart and it's coming at you from the outside and you're young, you're immature, you don't have a lot of discernment, therefore you are very vulnerable. That's why the topic is so important. That's why I want to make sure that, that you guys are, are, are equipped because as your pastor, I'm sure your parents also, uh, I'm very concerned. Okay, I'm very concerned and I, I definitely want to help you in this area. So we're going to cover four lies. Tonight is lie number one. It should go up there. Let me turn this on. There you go. Tonight is lie number one. And the lie says this. The friends I have are my real family. The friends I have are my real family. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Okay, let me make two comments about this, this lie. The friends I have are my real family. I'm not saying that, that your friends are not a blessing from God. Okay, it, it's, not, it's not a negative comment about your friends. 
your friends are a blessing from God uh, and they are a gift from God, not a, not, not a right. Okay, I want you to think about that. Your friends are a blessing from God. They are uh, an undeserved privilege, an undeserved gift from God. They are not your personal right. Okay? Uh, but sometimes you can treat your friends as more important than your family. You can treat them better than your family. You can, you can make them the priority over your family. My second comment is this. I'm not saying, so I'm not saying that your friends are not a blessing from God. Secondly, I'm not saying that your church friends are not your family. I know a lot of you guys uh, are growing up in the church. A, a lot of you have friends at church. Maybe some of you, your only friends are the, the other kids at church. And that's fine. The Bible does, does say that if you are a Christian, God has placed you in a church. And the Bible calls that, yes. Yes, yes, I'll, 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 that, that'll, that'll become clear as we, as we look at this lie. So, so the lie says the friends I have are my family, are my real family. So first comment, I'm not saying that your friends are not a blessing from God. Second comment is that I'm not saying that your church friends are not your family because like I said, you know, when, when God saves a Christian, he puts that person in the church and the Bible calls that a family and the Bible calls the people in that family in the church family as brothers and sisters in Christ. So you're not biologically related to each other, but spiritually you are. So the Bible says, this is your brother, this is your sister in Christ. So that's, that is a family. But sometimes even church friends, okay? But sometimes even church friends become, become more of a priority than your real family than your parents and your siblings at home. So I want to develop this lie a little bit because, because I want to make sure that, that we're clear on this. I'm not saying that, that, you know, forget your friends. They're not a blessing from God. They are. I'm not saying that, okay, my friends at church, uh, since I'm a Christian, uh, I thought they were my family. I guess they're, they're not. No, they are. Okay. What I, what I want to focus on is not, is not so much your friends, whether they are at church or outside of the church. What I, what I want to focus tonight is on how you treat them in comparison to how you treat your own family at home. Okay, that's really the issue. Okay, this is not about, okay, I need to lessen my friends. I need to have more friends. I need to, you know, it's not that. It's how you treat your friends versus how you treat your parents and your siblings, okay? One quick advice, okay? T take a break, one quick advice. When I was in seminary, I would get so tired. You know, I get so tired because I work full time, you know, family and kids, and then you're sitting, you're sitting in class and you're like falling asleep, it's so hard to pay attention. So what I would do is I would stand up and I would go in the back and stand up. And sometimes I'm so tired that even standing up, I'm like falling asleep. So what I would do is I would sit, uh, I would lean against the back wall and I would sit like this with my book. So if, if that's how you feel tonight, it's either you're really, really tired or I'm really, really boring. It, it, the, 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 you don't have to tell me the reason, but if you're tired, you gotta, you gotta stand up if, if you would like, okay? That if you stand up, I won't be offended, okay? I won't be offended. I know that you're just trying to stay awake so you can listen. 
All right. So how, how do you know? Okay, how do you know if you're already believing this lie that your friends, the friends that you have, whether they're at church or outside of the church, have become your real family? How, how would you know? Well, it comes down to your attitude towards your real family, okay, towards your family at home. So for a moment, I want you to look at your heart tonight and see if you have any of these four sinful attitudes toward family, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain them one at a time, and I want you guys to just take a look at your heart and see if you, if you have any of these. Because if you do, then it's a proof that you have already bought into the lie that your friends are your real family, okay? Here's the first sinful attitude toward your family. My home exists to serve me. The attitude that says, my home exists to serve me. What I mean by that? Well, let me explain. Instead of, treating, instead of treating your home as a grace from God, as a blessing, a gift from God, you kind of treat it like uh, what I call a bed and breakfast. Maybe you've been to a bed and breakfast before. Maybe your parents have for an anniversary. Maybe they've gone, you know, rented an Airbnb or a VRBO and it's a bed and breakfast. Um, sometimes you can treat your home like that. You know, it's not a gift from God. It's not a grace from God. It's just a bed and breakfast, you know, a place that you vacation in. Uh, it's, it's a place where you get uh, comfort and re- relaxation and entertainment. Do you, do you ever treat your home like that? Um, everything should always be clean, Right? And cleaning is not your job. You know, it's your parents' job. They can't even ask you to clean, yet you want the home to be really clean because it's a vacation home for you. Um, the, the fridge and the pantry should always have the, the food that you like, all your favorite snacks. You know, you open the fridge, you're like, ah, they don't have my food. You open the pantry, ah, where's my food, right? And then when parents make dinner for you, it has to be what you want. You know, if, if it has the vegetable that you don't like, you just push it away. It's like a bed and breakfast. You know, it's like an Airbnb. Everything is for your own comfort. Everything is for relaxation. Everything is for entertainment. Uh, there should always be a constant source of entertainment. Free Wi-Fi, right? What kind of home is, is that if it doesn't have free Wi-Fi, free Netflix, free Amazon Prime, free Disney, free Hulu, free, free all of those things, right? 55-inch TV, well, maybe even bigger, maybe the 55 inches in your room, right? You have to have a TV in your room, the, the newest smartphone, a tablet, right? It, it's, it's, it, your home is there to serve you. Everything in the home is for your own comfort, and everyone in the home should make you comfortable. If they don't, I'm out. I'm with my, I'm with my friends, if you have that attitude, then you are believing the lie that your, your friends are your real family. Here's the next attitude. My parents need to give me privacy. My parents need to give me privacy. Now, is privacy bad? No, it's not bad. But when you demand it as if it's your right, then it is bad. Okay? Instead of seeing your parents as people who love you, who want to be who want to be involved in your life so they can 
invest in your life instead of seeing him that way. You see your parents as kind of like a hindrance uh, or a barrier uh, to the things that you really want to do. They kind of just get in the way of the things that you really want to do. And you demand, you demand privacy, and they should give it whenever you ask for it. Your bedroom, your phone, electronic devices, the way you dress and the way you talk and the friends you choose are all off limits from your parents. You want your privacy. Your parents can't be all up in your business, like young people say today. Don't be all up in my business. You've got people to see, right? Places to go, things to do. Your parents do them and you do you, right? You give them their privacy, so they should give you your privacy. And the things you do with your friends, like the movies you watch and the music you listen to together, the text messages and the photos that you send each other and the places you go to and all the other other things that you do together as friends are all secrets. If your parents ask you, you don't share. Why? It's your privacy. You got your private life. It's just you and your friends. If you have that attitude, then you have bought into the lie that, okay, my friends are my real family. Because they know more about me than my family. They know more about my life. They know more about the things that I do. They know more about the things that I like and I don't like. They know more about the things that I struggle with, but not my family. It's my private life. Think about that. How many, how many um, deep conversations have you had with your friends that you haven't had with your parents? How many personal information have you shared with your friends that you would never share with your parents? You got to ask why. Here's the, the third one, third attitude, third sinful attitude that revealed that you're believing this lie. My siblings are not my responsibility. My siblings are not my responsibility. Instead of seeing your siblings as people you have the privilege of serving, you see them as a kind of like a nuisance, <laughs> like a nuisance, uh, an annoyance. Um, here's another word, an irritation. You come home, you don't look forward to seeing your siblings. You actually can't wait to get home to drop off your, your school stuff and have dinner so that you can get out of the home, so you can get away from your siblings, so you can be with your friends. Or maybe you don't do that physically, but you can't wait to get home, get rid of your school stuff, finish your homework, get dinner uh, eaten, and then go in your bedroom, lock the door, put on your headphones or your earphones or start texting or start talking to your friends. You know, they're just, they're not your responsibility. They're not your responsibility. And uh, if your siblings ask you to join you, you know, whatever you're doing, or maybe you, when you're hanging out with your friends, you, you just say no, because it's, you know, it's, to be honest, it's embarrassing to be seen with my little f- siblings. You don't like it when your parents ask you to spend time with your siblings. 
And you, in your heart, you may not say this verbally to your parents, but in your heart, you're probably saying, I mean, acknowledging that my siblings exist, isn't that enough? <laughs> Knowing that they ex- do exist, isn't that enough? You want me to do things with them? You want me to spend time with them? You want me to hang out with them? You, maybe you say this in your heart, Mom, Dad, I mean, I didn't choose these siblings. Um, I didn't ask for them. You, you, you and Dad came up with them. Uh, they're your responsibility. They're not my responsibility. So, so since I didn't ask for them, since, since I didn't choose them, uh, therefore, therefore I have zero responsibility. I choose my friends. I like my friends. I get along with my friends, my siblings, not the same. Here's the last one, last sinful attitude that prove that you're believing this lie that your friends are your real family. My family can't compete with my friends. My family can't compete with my friends. What I mean by that is when it comes to your time and your resources and you're thinking about your friends on one side and then your family on the other side, your friends always win. Your, your, your family cannot compete. They can't win. Friends first. Family second. Instead of limiting your time and interactions with your friends so you can actually be available to your family, you give your friends unlimited access to you. And since you give them unlimited access to you, um, you demand unlimited access to them, vice versa, right? You and your friends have access to each other 24-7, not just face-to-face at school, not just, not just physically when you guys are hanging out, but on your phones, you have limited access to each other 24-7. Whenever they, whenever they text you, uh, you feel like you, you need to text them back. Immediately, you can't be making your friends wait for a reply. Even if you're having family time, like dinner time or, or, or family devotion time, they try to access you through a text message. Oh, you, you can't help it but reply. Why? Because they have to have unlimited access to you and to your life. Even when you're in your home, inside of the building of your home and with your own family, they still have access to you. Why? Because your parents can't compete. Your parents and siblings pretty much have to get in line. Okay, if you had like a secretary, they have to talk to your secretary if they want to hang out with you. Students, these attitudes are not good. Okay, they are not good. Why? Because they are actually sinful attitudes. They're sinful attitudes. And if you have any of them, even just one, okay? Maybe you listen to the first one, you're like, ah, oh, that's not me. Second one, ah, oh, not me. Third one, ah, oh, maybe a little bit. Even just that a little bit, you're already convicted that you're committing this, these sins. The Lord's already showing you that, that, it, that, that you're probably believing the lie that, okay, my friends are my real family. I like them better. I want to be with them more. My family, number two, maybe number three. 
These sinful attitudes are, are, are attitudes that you need to repent of. And if, you, you know, if, if you're more on the other side saying, man, I do all those things. I do all those things. Maybe you're already feeling like those things already put a wedge between you and your family. A wedge, something that, that's pu- pushing you apart, pulling you apart. And the more, the more you and your family are apart, the worse the relationship gets. So may, maybe, that's, maybe that's what you're thinking about. So what do you need to do? How are you going to combat this lie? Now, let me add this. If you're kind of on the other spectrum and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I, I really don't think I do those things. You know, I'm so young, uh, you know, my friends are my siblings and my siblings are my classmates, <laughs> you know, kind of that home life. Um, you know, your, your parents still choose your, your, your friends and your friends are your siblings because your siblings are your classmates because you go to the same school and to go to, this, and to, go to your school, you don't, actually don't leave your house. And your teacher is your mom, you know, so, so, may, so maybe that's your context and you're saying, you know what, to be honest with you, I, I don't struggle with those four sinful attitudes. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But listen, you will. You will. Maybe next month. All it takes is a little bit of freedom. All it takes is, is one friend, two friends, more freedom. And you will struggle with this. So... So you're either convicted and you need to learn how to correct your sinful attitudes or you're not struggling with those sinful attitudes, but you need to be equipped so that you don't fall into the lie. Okay, so 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 how do you correct this? How do you prepare yourself to not fall into this lie? Well, for the rest of our time tonight, I want to walk you through four biblical lessons about family. Okay, because we can really go about this in two ways. I either teach you about friends. I think we've spent some time uh, talking about friends, good friends, bad friends. I think we've done that in the past. Or we can go about it from the other angle and talk about family. Uh, I think think that's going to be more beneficial for our context tonight. Four biblical lessons about family. Here's the first lesson. And all these lessons will help you, okay, replace those sinful attitudes or prepare you so you don't put on those sinful, sinful attitudes. Here's the first one. First biblical lesson about family. Your parents are still flawed sinners. Maybe that's a surprise for some of you. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're nodding and saying, ha, I knew it. That's true. Is it easy to be with your family? No. Is it always enjoyable being with your family? No. You know why? Because of sin. Because of sin. The reason why it's hard to be with your family, the reason why you don't always enjoy your time with your family is because of sin. Specifically, because of their sin. Because of your parents' sin. And, I, and I, I, I get it. Your parents are adults. You know, I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm an adult. Your parents are even older than, than me. They've been around for a very long time, right? So they should know better. 
but they still sin. They still offend you. They're still weak. They still have flaws. And, 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 and all those things affect their relationship with you. So it, it is understanding, understandable when, when you struggle being with your family because they're sinners. They're sinners. They still have weaknesses and flaws. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Okay? And we're going to look at a lot of Bible verses this weekend. A lot. Some of them will dig a little deeper, some of them not so much. I want to give you as, mu- as many passages as, as I can. So Colossians chapter 3, and look at verse 21. Verse 21, Paul says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Now, if you're thinking, that has nothing to do with my parents' sin. Exactly. But if you think about it this way, I think you'll get my point. Paul is commanding fathers here, you can even include mothers, to not exasperate their children, to not say things nor do things that will discourage you children to a point that you lose heart, that, that you feel like you don't matter, that you feel like you don't measure up. That's, that's the idea there of exasperation. Now, why do you think Paul is telling parents to not do that? You know why? Because they're prone to doing it, especially fathers. Your father, I'm a father, we are prone to do the opposite that the Bible is commanding us to do. The Bible says, hey, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't say anything and don't do anything that will just... Make them so discouraged that they feel like they don't matter to you and, they don't, and that they never measure up to your standard. You know why? You know why, that's being, that, you know why the fathers are being commanded? Because we're prone to do it. Why are we prone to do it? Because we are sinners. Because we are sinners. Remember this, students. Okay? There are a lot of differences between you and your parents. A lot. Physically, emotionally, even, even positionally. They're your parents. You're not the parents. You're the children, they're not the children. They have authority, you don't have authority. So you and your parents are very different. But there's one thing that you and your parents are very the same. Okay, you know what that is? Sin. Okay? I don't like the idea of parents today kind of, you know, buddy-buddying up with their children. You know, like they're like their homeboy and homegirl, their BFFs. Like, I don't like that idea. Um, they're, they're stooping down to the level of the children. But you know where the parents should stoop down to the level of their children? Sin. Okay? If there's one similarity between you and your, and your parents, it's sin. You can say that you are peers with your parents when it comes to sin. That's it. That's it. That's, 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 the, that's how you relate to your parents in, in a peer level. You're peers in sin. So does that, does that mean that you look down at them because they're sinners like you? No. Does that mean that you push them away every time they offend you because they sin against you and, they don't, and you don't enjoy your time with them? No, you don't do that. But because you're peers in sin, therefore you both need God's grace and mercy, it should even push you closer to your parents. They're no better than you. They're just like you. So it should push you closer to your, to your parents because both of you need 
God's grace and mercy, and you should continue to love your parents and pray for them because you're peers in sin. So I I came up with that as number one because I think that's very helpful. You know, we, sometimes we think that our friends don't sin against us. We think that our friends are better than our parents. We think that it's just easier to be with, with our friends. I get that. But we, what we forget is that the reason why it's so hard to spend time with our parents is because they're sinners too, just like us. But we shouldn't push them away just because they're just like us. We should, we should go towards them because both... Them and us need God's grace and mercy. Here's the second lesson about family. Your parents want your spiritual good. You guys ever wondered why your parents are saying the things that are saying to you, doing the things that are they're doing for you and making you do things and you don't understand why? And they're saying no to things that you're like, why would they say no to that? It's because of this. Your parents want your spiritual good. At the end of the day, students, what every single Christian parent wants for their kids is for them to be saved. You can ask any Christian parent out there. At the end of the day, that's all, that's all they want is for their children to be saved. That's all they want. That's what really matters to them. It's not really your grades. Okay, maybe, maybe, yeah, grades are important. Scholarships, sure, right? But your parents don't really care that much about your grades. Uh, they don't really care that much about your trophies and your awards, right? Today, it's easy to get an award, right? You just sign up for a sport and you get an award. Um, that's, that's not really what they're after, and that's, it's, not even, it's not even your college degree. It's not even what you're going to be when you grow up. It's not going to be your, your future success and your future career. Your parents don't even really care about those things that much. You know what they care about? Your spiritual good. What's going to be good for you spiritually? Even if you have bad grades. Even if you don't go to college. Even if you move away. They just want your spiritual Good. Look at Proverbs 6. Did I? There you go. Still number two. Look at Proverbs 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I'll show you this point. This is, this is from a parent himself. Okay, Solomon, a dad. And he's talking to his children, specifically his sons. Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 20. He's kind of having a, you know, one-on-one discipleship with his son, you know, a sit down in the living room and listen to what he has to say to his son. And I want you to think about the father just wanting the spiritual good of his son. Verse 20, my son, and you can include sons, daughters, all the children, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So both mother and father. Bind them continually on your heart. So everything that your parents are teaching you, you wrap them around your heart, tie them around your neck. 
When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. What's, what's the idea? The idea there is every, every spiritual conversations, every spiritual lessons, everything that your parents want to pass down to you, especially the gospel, all, all those truths protect you. They protect you when you leave your house. They protect you when your parents are not gone. They protect you when you're with your friends. They protect you when you move away to college. Why is that so important? Teaching you God's word, verse 23 gives us the reason. For the commandment, okay, God's words, God's commandments that your parents are teaching you is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Your parents, students, want to teach you God's word because they know that that is what's going to save you. Nothing else. Not your curriculum from, from other states. Not your schooling from other school districts. Those things will not save you. Your parents know, okay? Your parents know this, that it's God's word, the gospel. That's the only thing that will save you. And that's all they want. That's why they have to say hard things. When they say hard things, don't push them away. Remind yourself, okay, they're saying these hard things because they're after my spiritual good. When they say no to you, don't push them away. They're saying no because behind their, their words, their real motive is for your spiritual good. The reason why your parents do what they do, even the hard things. Okay, I, I tell my kids this when I spank them. Son, daughter, do you think I like that? what I just did? Do you think I enjoyed what I just did? And they know the answer. I don't know if they believe it or not, but they know the answer. They say no. But even those hard things we have to do. Why? Because we're after your spiritual good. Every single Christian parent, okay, they just want, you know, when you guys grow up, when you guys move away, when you guys become young adults, when you're, when you're on your own, all we want to say is what John said in 3 John 4. Okay, you can write this down. 3 John 4. John said there that he said, I have no greater joy than this. Okay, I have no greater joy than this. this is, if, if this happened, this is, you know, this is, this is more joyful, um, a lot more happy, happier than, than anything that I can think of. What is that, John? Is for me to know that my children are walking in the truth. That's what John said. Really? If, you're, if your son, if your daughter is saved, that's, that's it for you? That's, that's the happiest news that you can hear? Yeah. Even if they don't have good grades? Doesn't matter. Even if they never win a trophy from a sport activity? Doesn't matter. Even if they don't get into that... A nice school, you know, for dancing or for drama or for whatever. Scholarship as an athlete. No, it doesn't matter. If they're saved, that's enough for, for, for me and, and, and my wife or for me and, and the father. That's enough. Students, that's all your parents want. That's all they want. And I'm not sure if your friends even think about that. I'm not so sure if your friends even think about you as a person with a soul. 
that will spend eternity somewhere. Maybe one or two do. But not to the level that your parents do. Not to the level that your parents do. This thing right here, guys, your spiritual good, your salvation, this is what keeps your parents awake at night. Not because you can't do a long division. (laughs) Not because you can't memorize world history. It's this that keeps them awake at night. This is all they want. Number three. Third biblical lesson about family that should help you go towards them and not push them away. Your parents should be honored by you. Your parents should be honored by you. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I think this is a familiar passage to all of us. I'm sure your parents tell you this all the time. But let's, uh, let's look at it for a little bit here. Ephesians chapter 6, the first verse. Paul says this, Children, so that's you. Children, here's the first command. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Look at the second command. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And in verse 3, it gives you the purpose. Why should I obey my parents, Paul? Why should I honor my parents, Paul? Verse 3, so that it may be well with you, so that it may go well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. He's just talking about blessings, that your life would be blessed if you obey and honor your parents. So you have two commands, okay? You have two commands. Number one, obey. That's pretty straightforward. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, Obeying your parents is this. You do what they tell you to do without delay, without complaint, with a submissive heart. Okay, maybe your parents tell you that. Maybe your parents say, I want you to obey with a happy heart. I kind of like the submissive heart a little bit better because you can, you can fake the happiness, but a submissive heart you can't fake. So that's what obedience is, right? You do what your parents tell you to do without delay because late obedience is disobedience. Without complaint and with a submissive heart. So that's pretty straightforward. Now, look at the second command, honor. This one is, is a little bit harder to wrap your mind around because sometimes it, it doesn't show itself visibly. Okay, what does that mean to honor my mom and dad? What does that even look like? Have you ever asked that? Okay, obey, I get that. Do what they tell me to do. How about honor? That's a little bit harder. Well, let me have, help you with that. Okay, let me give you five ways to bring honor to your parents. Here's the first one. If you want to honor your parents, all you have to think about okay, is this. I want to do things that would bring them honor. And here's the first one. You need to repent of any sins that you have against your parents. You think that would bring them honor? Absolutely. Are you bitter at your parents because they sinned against you? Because remember, you're peers in sin. 
Are you angry? You don't like them for any reason? Well, you need to repent of those sins. That will bring them honor. Number two, another example, believe that God did not make a mistake. Your heart is very prone to believe that God made a mistake by giving you the dad or the mom that you have. You go to your friend's house. You see how their parents treat them. You don't see the bad side. You just see the good side. You come home. You see the bad side of your parents because remember, you're peers in sin. And then deep down in your heart, you start, you start complaining. And you start believing that, man, I think God made a mistake. I should have that mom. I should have that dad. How come I don't have those kinds of parents? You know what would bring honor to your parents? To not do that. To not do that and to say, you know what? Uh, we're peers in sin, me and my parents. But man, I wouldn't ask for, I wouldn't ask for any other parents. I, I don't think God made a mistake. I think God gave me exactly the perfect parents that I need. That would give them honor. Here's a third example. Consistently thank God for your parents. When was the last time you prayed? And was, was, when was the last time that you thanked God in your prayer for your parents? Just let that sit. If you want to honor your parents, you need to thank God for your parents. If you want to express to God that he didn't make a mistake by giving you the parents that he gave you, thank him for your parents that he gave you. Here's a fourth example. Find ways to be a blessing to your parents. Oh, it's so easy, right, to bless our friends. It's so, we're so quick to be a blessing to our friends, but how about our family? How about our parents? That's a good way to honor your parents. Just find ways to be a blessing to them. Whatever it may be. If, if it's helping them physically, if it's talking to them after a hard day of homeschooling or, or work, I'm sure they would feel honored by that because you would be a blessing to them. And here's the last example. Tell others about your parents' godly example. If you have parents who are Christians. Again, you are peers in sin, but I'm pretty sure if you put away your critical heart towards your parents, I'm sure you can find and you can see a lot of godly examples. And when you hang out with your buddies, with your girlfriends and boyfriends and, you know, your friends, it, you're not going to be complaining to them about your parents. It's going to be different. You're actually going to talk to your friends about your parents' godly examples, the things that they do for you. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a complaining conversation. That's what happens, right? You go to your parents, oh, you're not going to believe what my mom said. Oh, you're not going to believe what my mom said. And then it's just a complaining thing, right? Instead of, hey, Listen to what my mom taught me. Listen to what my dad told me. Listen to what I, what I saw about my mom and my dad. They're godly examples. So I'm sure you can have a lot more ways to show honor. Okay, obedience is easy, right? You do what they tell you to do without delay, without complaining, with a submissive heart. 
But honor is a little bit harder. But if you, if you want to get better at that, just come up with things that would, that would show them honor, that would bring them honor, that they would feel honored. I'm sure you can come up with, with more than what I have here. But I think these are very practical, very helpful, very hard. But if you do them, you would be obe- obeying Ephesians 6. Number four. La- the last one. Last biblical lesson about family. Number four. Your siblings need your sacrificial love. I know I talked more about parents, but I want to make sure we talk about our siblings. Your siblings need your sacrificial love. First John chapter 3. It's going to be the last passage for tonight. First John chapter 3. If you're familiar with First John, he talks a lot about love. Okay, how, how our love for God and how our love for other people is a proof of our salvation, that we actually, actually really love Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. John says this, We know love by this. Here's love. Here's biblical love. Here's Christian love. That He, that's Jesus Christ, laid down His life for us. He died on the cross for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? The answer is it doesn't. How can you say you love God and you can't love your brothers and sisters? Verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Now, John's talking to Christians And he's saying, hey, love your brothers and sisters in Christ this way. So that's real Christian family that that I was referring to earlier called the church. But you can also apply this in your home life with your biological siblings. You say that you love love your siblings. Well, you show it. You show it by, by loving them in deed and truth. Now, I know sometimes your siblings annoy you. I get that. We have five children and we see it. Um, there's always that sibling, right? The instigator. So I know, I know a lot of times they annoy you and it'd be easier to just get away from them, get a break from them and just be with your friends. I know that's very easy. That's very tempting. I get that. But listen, the Bible is very clear, okay? If you're a Christian and you say you love Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is telling you to love your brothers and sisters, including, including the people in your home, sacrificially. You love them sacrificially. That's how God wants you to love your siblings. Sacrificially. Now, you may be saying, oh, Pastor, you don't know my siblings. You think your five kids are bad? Man, you don't know my siblings. Okay. You may be saying, You may be saying, they always take advantage of me. Guess what? Will they always do that? They will. It's not if they will take advantage of you, it's when. But that's not a good enough reason for you to withhold your love from your your siblings just because they take advantage of you. You know why? Guess who you take advantage of every single day? Jesus Christ. 
You say you love Jesus Christ, but you take advantage of him. He gives you a command from the Bible. You don't obey it. He says, no, he says, I want you to think about me every moment because of what I've done for you. You don't. You don't think about it. Yet, Jesus Christ still what? Loves you. He still loves you. So I think that's helpful. You know, that's, that's, that's how I think about relationships. You know, oh, I need to love this person who's difficult to love. They always take advantage of me. So why should I keep loving this person? I just have to ask myself, okay, how many times have I taken advantage of Jesus Christ today, yet he still loves me? First John 3 says, okay, that's how I should love other people. That's how you should love your siblings. And think about it, students. And I think about this all the time because I have siblings who are not saved. Okay? Maybe you do. I have siblings who are not saved. And I think about this all the time. If my love for my siblings is sacrificial, they may not know it um, early on when they're young, but hopefully when they're older, they may, they may find out that I love them sacrificially. And, and I don't know. Hopefully, prayerfully, maybe that's what God is going to use to save them. Because I love them sacrificially. Can my, can my love for my friends be used by God to save my friends? Absolutely, he can. He can do that. But you can't have that relationship, that kind of love with your friends and not have that with your siblings. Think about that. The way you love your siblings now, even though they're younger than you and they have no idea, they have no idea how, how annoying they are and they have no idea how much you've loved them. That's fine. But hopefully when they're older, they'll look back and realize, man, the way, the way my brother, the way my older sister loved me, they really showed the love of Jesus Christ. And maybe God will use that to save them. Students, I made a lot of mistakes when I was your age. Okay, and I regret, regret a lot of them. One thing that I regret the most is this lie. I believe when I was your age, all the way till I was in college, I believed this, believed this lie that my friends were my real family. And then I moved out, and then I moved away, and guess, and guess who I think about a lot today? My parents and my siblings. And they always FaceTime the grandchildren, you know. If I just get a peek of my dad's face, my mom's face, you know, knowing that my mom's doing okay, my dad's fine, my brother's there, you know, that's, that's good for me. But then it reminds me, man, I, I, I have more time with my parents and my siblings now than I did when I lived with them. Why? Because I believe the lie that my friends were my real family. Where are those friends now? I have no idea. I have no idea. So I hope that's helpful, students, uh, for our discussion time tonight. Here are the, the discussion questions. If you want to take a picture of that, your leaders can take a picture of that. And uh, I hope you'll have a good discussion. Hopefully the discussion will, will wake us up. All right. Uh, before you leave, before you leave, make sure you get a wristband. Okay, make sure you get a wristband. This is for our stay here and also to make sure we get 
we get our food. Um, secondly, make sure you're checking your lanyard for the schedule. And if you're wondering, especially those who are first timers, if you look at Saturday, well, if you look at tonight, okay, 11.15 is lights out. That means, um, lights out means uh, eyes shut. Lights, lights out, eyes out. Okay, that means you're asleep, okay? <laughs> What's that? Or gouged out. <laughs> uh, Saturday, tomorrow morning, 7 to 8. That's just your, the time for you to get, get some time in, in your Bible and prayer. Um, if you want to do that with a friend, that's fine, as long as you're not a distraction. Uh, 8 o'clock is breakfast. And then look at that, uh, that, that one, 8.30, 9.30. It says discipleship time. Uh, we just want to give you an opportunity to meet with your leaders. Okay? And your leaders will initiate this. But, but, if, um, but if you really want to meet with a leader, you know, just, just schedule it. And it doesn't mean that you can't meet, meet with a leader the rest of the day. But that one is dedicated for that. Um, Good, that's, that's for tomorrow morning, okay? So make sure you get one, make sure you have this, and then your little booklet, it has your cabin, make sure you know where you're going. Okay, boys, stay in your cabin, girls, stay in your cabin. All right? Okay, let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for bringing us here safely. And we are, we, even though we're tired physically, I pray that all of us are ex excited uh, spiritually because it's just a, a blessing to be here together, to be with our loved ones, our friends, and uh, learn together about your word. Learn about developing discernment so that we don't believe the lies that we are facing. Uh, bless our discussion time tonight. May it be profitable in Jesus' name. Amen.